Shalom. We are so glad you're joining us on this episode of Our Hope. We created this podcast as a resource for followers of Yeshua, where they can learn more about Israel, the Bible, and the Jewish community. Together, we discuss Messianic apologetics, dive into Scripture, and hear stories from Jewish believers in Jesus. If you've enjoyed our podcast series, please consider supporting us at ourhopepodcast.com support. You could also help us by sharing this podcast on social media, talking about it with your friends and family, or by writing a review on Apple Podcasts. We are so grateful for you, and we hope this episode of Our Hope is both enlightening and encouraging. Welcome to Our Hope, a production of Chosen People Ministries. Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? This verse opens one of the most powerful messianic prophecies in the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 53. This chapter is typically not read in synagogues, but for the Jewish people who have read it, many cannot deny that it clearly points to Yeshua, the suffering servant, who atoned for our sins. On today's episode, we are going to share with you three stories of Jewish people whose lives were changed when they read Isaiah 53 and discovered who their Messiah is. As you listen, we hope that these stories inspire you to take a closer look at the messianic prophecies throughout scripture, which are all effective for sharing the gospel. The first story is from Dr. Barry K. Seif. From the time she was a little girl, Dr. Seif felt like something was missing in her Jewish faith. And it was not until years later, while she was working selling copy machines, that God would place a messianic believer in her path at just the right time. Here's her story. When I was a little girl, we joined the Orthodox synagogue. We always sat in the back because my parents were lower middle class and so they could only afford what they could afford. And it seemed as though it was a three ring circus there was a lot of activity going on that wasn't even somber. I uh, remember feeling a void in my heart, looking at my father through uh, welled eyes of tears, and I even sensed it even back then. God was speaking to my heart back then, and I couldn't express it. And my mom was up there, my dad was there, but whatever comfort they gave me, it wasn't gonna feel whatever it was in my heart. I was probably one of the only Jewish children in my grade school, bringing my sandwiches on Passover, matzah with peanut butter and jelly. On the Monday, everybody was friendly to me. On the Tuesday, everybody was friendly to me. But by Wednesday, I was called a Christ killer. Christ killer, I didn't kill anybody who was Christ. And kids were taunting me and making fun of me. Anti-Semitism is rampant and it begins very young. 
I was in sales. I was selling copiers. And I walked into an office of five men. They were all kind to me. They listened to what I had to say. Let's go to lunch. My cousins have a delicatessen around the corner. Uh, delicatessen, what religion are you? I said, well, I'm Jewish. And he said, well, so's Larry, the owner of the firm. And over lunch, he said, yeah, I'm a Messianic Jew. And I said, Messianic Jew, what's that? Larry was sharing with me about Jesus from my holy scriptures. And he shared a Bible verse with me. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, but the Lord has taken the iniquity of us all on him. Bing, I got it. There's always been something curious in my heart about Jesus. I was taught that he was Jewish, that he was a good man, maybe a prophet, but that I am Jewish and I am not to believe. My father was Orthodox. I come from a line of rabbis on that side of the family. The Shema here, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, was our prayer every week. And so I said to Larry, well, what do I tell my father? They shared with me a Psalm, Psalm 22, where Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I can count on my bones. My tongue cleaves to the roof of my mouth. At that moment, I knew. That's, that's Jesus in my holy scriptures. My past teaching about Judaism came into full light. It was as though I understood and that it was okay for me to be Jewish and believe in Jesus. I know that I am the author of all the wrongs. We are people that need help. Yeshua is salvation, help save me. And I keep coming back to Isaiah 53, 6. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each has turned to his own way. And yet the Lord laid his life down as God's servant, as a suffering servant. And that was one of the biggest keys that I, as a Jew, needed to really solidify within my own heart. He was on the cross. He died in my place so that I could live the exchanged life and eternal life. And that nailed it for me. All of the past history, all of my past hurt, all of my past basic knowledge, it all came together and my life did a 180. God came into my heart as a personal realization. Here I was looking for answers outside of me, but only God's word inside of me has changed me. God did for me what I could never do for myself. You know, it says once we're born through the birth canal, but we're born again spiritually. And that's what happened to me in my cousin's delicatessen. Jesus made me kosher, literally. I was changed. At that moment in that deli, the lights went off. I feel so positive about Jesus, Yeshua, that he has been on the throne of my heart. He has been my Lord and Savior for these years. When I know that eternal life is mine, not because of any of my own merit, because of my Messiah living in me. It has made all the difference in my life. And I excitedly say, the best is yet to come. Dr. Seif's faith in Yeshua is what led her to pursue a doctoral degree. And now, she shares the gospel of hope found in Isaiah 53 with people in Israel. Speaking of Israel, 
That is the name of the person featured in our next story, Israel Cohen. Growing up across the street from his Gentile neighbors, Israel thought that Jesus was Catholic. But when he joined the Navy, it was not long until Israel would discover the true identity of his Messiah. Listen to his story. I mean, I heard about some of these these guys like John the Baptist. He's a Baptist. I found out later on he's Jewish. St. Paul, Jewish, yeah, Jewish. St. Peter, how can anybody by the name of St. Peter be Jewish? Guess what, I found out they're all Jewish. You know, I grew up in Philadelphia in a Jewish neighborhood. On the other side of the street, that was mostly Gentiles. These poor Gentiles, they would worship a statue. Some of those people had statues in their lawns. At the age of eight years old, I joined the Cub Scouts, which is part of the Boy Scouts. They had a, they have, they still probably have this today, a, a magazine. It's called Boy's Life Magazine. And in that magazine, they had the instructions on how to build a crystal radio. I was so excited. It was, it was like I was in heaven with this radio that worked. I would rush home from school and put on the earphones. And I was hearing these people talking about Jesus on the short wave. They were like, the same time I was preparing for my bar mitzvah and my rabbi told me, never believe in Jesus and never read the New Testament. That's a Gentile book and Jesus is for the Gentiles. I joined the Navy in 1960 and wound up in a, in a drill hall with 400 guys. Now this is the first time in my life I was ever away from my mother and father. They taught me how to smoke a cigarette. Uh, you know, oh, I was coughing like crazy. They said, real sailors drink whiskey. And that was burning my throat. I did it because I wanted to be a real sailor. I wound up getting drunk every night. Wound up going out with, with women that I shouldn't be doing. Sometimes deep down inside of me, I was saying, man, this doesn't feel right. Something's wrong here. This doesn't seem right. You see, when you join the Navy, I don't know if they do this today anymore, but this was back in 1960. We were naked and had our hair shaved, and then we went through the line to get our uniforms and stuff. At the end of the line, they said Catholic, Protestant, or Jewish. So they gave you a Bible. I had my Tanakh. I had my little, my Jewish scriptures. I don't know what you do with the Bible. I thought, you know, it might be like a rabbit's foot, good luck charm, or maybe it'd be like my grandmother's chicken soup. Anytime I was sick, my grandmother said, have some matzo ball soup, have some chicken soup. It'll, I said, will it help? She said, it couldn't hide, you know? I said, well, I have a Bible. Will it help? Well, it couldn't hide, you know? Uh, one of the sailors uh, that I was with in the Navy said to me, you're Jewish, right? I said, yeah. Do you have a Bible? I said, sure, I have a Bible. They gave it to me when I joined the Navy. He said, let me see your Bible. And he turned in my Bible to Isaiah chapter 53. He said, here, read this. I read the whole chapter of Isaiah 53. I said, wait a minute. This sounds like those folks across the street. This sounds like the Gentiles. This sounds like what I was hearing on the short wave. They made a mistake. They gave me a New Testament. And my rabbi told me, never read the New Testament. You better take this because this is for you. This is not my Bible. So no, no, look, Hebrew Publishing Company. <gasps> Hebrew Publishing Company. What's, this is crazy. What's Jesus doing in my Bible? He said, well, he's your Messiah. He's my Messiah. I, I, I was shocked. And he said, would you like to read about that in the New Testament? I said, uh, well, I can't read the New Testament because my rabbi told me never read uh, the New Testament. And he looked around over here. I looked over here. And he says, I'll make a deal with you. If you don't tell your rabbi that you read the New Testament, I won't tell him either. I thought about that for a minute. 
Okay, but I was scared. I thought lightning was going to strike me. I actually thought I was going to be struck by lightning. I expected it to be a Gentile book. I expected it to take place in Rome with a bunch of popes talking about Catholic things and statues. What surprised me is how Jewish the New Testament really is. It's the most Jewish book I ever read. The more I, I, I read the scriptures, the more I, I was, was praying, I realized that inside I was not, not clean. Inside, I had all kinds of anger. I was getting drunk every night. I was going with the women. I was smoking three packs of unfiltered palm all day, coughing like crazy. I was making pretend like I enjoyed it. I didn't want to make pretend anymore. I didn't want to live that way anymore. Now it's three o'clock in the morning. I'm in the barracks, big barracks and it had a blanket all the way over, and, and the light was shining on the New Testament. And I, I prayed, you know, Baruch Atah, Lord, Jesus, I'm here. Uh, um, I want to believe in you. And I went to bed. May 16, 1961, came to faith in, in the Messiah. That's just so important in my life. It's, it's a... A, a moment that totally, completely changed the revolution of my life. Even if I was the very last person on earth, Jesus would still have died for me. And I am confident that when I die, I'll go to be with him. Israel Cohen has faithfully served with Chosen People Ministries for several decades, and God continues to use him in incredible ways to share the gospel. What we love about his story is that it shows how scripture speaks for itself. And even without reading the New Testament, anyone who reads Isaiah 53 can see how Yeshua fulfilled this prophecy. You may remember that when Israel first read this prophecy, he asked himself, what is Jesus doing in my Bible? Dr. Rich Flashman asked himself the same thing. During his college years, Dr. Flashman thought that the world could be fixed through the government. But he soon realized that no government system can work perfectly because of the brokenness of humanity. It was during this time that a fellow classmate knocked on his door and asked if he would like to hear about Jesus. But that was only the beginning of Dr. Flashman's incredible story of faith. I remember having a conversation with my mother and she was encouraging me to go to bed early so I'd get a good night's sleep. And so I said, Ma, why? Why should I go to bed and get a good night's sleep? She said, so you can get up and be refreshed in the morning and, and do well in school. I said, why do I need to do well in school? She said, so you can go to a good college. I said, why do I need to go to a good college? She said, so you can get a good job. Why do I need to get a good job? So you can have a family and, and, have, and have a house and have th the, the nice things of life. And I said, well, okay, if I have all those things, then what? She goes, then, then nothing, that's it. I said, is that all there is? Being the only son of a Jewish mother, uh, I was made to feel like I was the center of the universe. It was all about me. And then in the world when it wasn't about me, it was shocking to me. And, and I wanted it to be about me. I sought the, the, the approval and the affirmation and the confirmation of these things from other people that in fact it was about me and that I was the center of the universe. I went to a private school. 
and we had to study the life of Jesus uh, at that private school. And I, I didn't like Jesus, but I wanted to hear from my own rabbi why we don't believe in Jesus. And he explained to me that he couldn't be the Messiah because when Messiah comes, he'll bring peace. And since Jesus has already come and there is no peace, he could not be the Messiah. And that satisfied me for about seven years. And I was, I was totally satisfied with that answer. It made sense to me. In college, I became a theoretical Marxist. I believed that, uh, that what the world needed was radical social change. That instead of people competing against each other uh, in the marketplace, that government would come and, and would create an equal playing field, and even more than that, would create equal outcomes for everyone in the culture. If we could get rid of the competitiveness and, and, the, and the, um, the adversarial relationship that I, that I saw in the, 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 the culture, and we could work towards cooperation, we could create a better world together. And I really wanted to make a better world. That was my, I, I saw this as, as a source of, of significance and purpose in my life, that I could help bring about a better world for, for uh, mankind. The only problem with my convictions uh, about change, social change and making a better world was the, was the problem of the brokenness in people. My own personal brokenness, I saw that. My own selfishness, my own pride, uh, my own lust, my own greed, all of those things in, in my life. And, and I saw that in other people. I saw it in the world around me. And if, if there was something wrong with us, if there was something wrong with people, then changing social systems wouldn't make any difference. It would just be the same thing over and over again. So in my freshman year of college, uh, I hear a knock on my door. I open the door and there's a young man there. He looks at me, he goes, hi, my name's Paul. And I'd like, to come, I'd like to talk to you about establishing a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I thought, whoa, it took me by surprise. And I said, I'm sorry, I'm Jewish. He goes, that's okay, so is he. I said, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I said, uh, come on in. So I invited him in the room. I invited some, some of my Jewish friends from down the hall to come join us. And then he began to explain to us why Jesus was the Jewish Messiah. So the questions that I came to college with stayed with me. And I, and I realized if there was no God, there was no hope. Uh, that led me on a, on, on a quest, on a search. And in the process of that search, I came across the, the prophecy in the 53rd chapter of Isaiah. And I remember reading it and thinking to myself, what's Jesus doing in my Bible? I was surprised as I read it that, that this was from the prophet Isaiah, the Jewish prophet. And I said, what's Jesus doing in my Bible? And I began to think, why didn't the rabbi tell me about this? Why didn't he tell me that, that there was a picture of Messiah uh, other than Messiah bringing peace, but a Messiah that was going to suffer and die for us. After college, in order to make extra money, I worked nights and weekends uh, for a kosher caterer in, uh, in Boston. One night, uh, April 30th, 1980, uh, I was at Temple Sinai in Marblehead, Massachusetts. Uh, I was there for a donor dinner, serving a donor dinner. I was asked if I would pack up the truck so everybody else could go home and just I would be left. And I said, fine. So everybody else left, the, the, the ladies uh, had their fundraiser inside the shul, and I was outside uh, with a cup of coffee and a cigarette and just thinking about life. All of a sudden, inside the synagogue, the women started praying. Uh, their prayers began to remind me of my own searching and my own struggle, my own uh, journey that I, that, I, that I was on. And I started thinking about uh, 
Jewish history and I started thinking about uh, David and I started thinking about Jesus. Is Jesus the Messiah? Is, is it really important who the Messiah is? Is, is Jesus uh, the Son of God? Is he, is he, is he God? Did he ever say he was God? And couldn't he have just meant that he was close to God and intimate with God? And I said, what difference does that make what the name of God is as long as we, we, we live a good life? And as I'm thinking these things, I'm walking around the temple parking lot and I get to the, uh, the end of the parking lot and I look up and before me is a gathering of light and the light forms a figure of a man and the, and the man is, is all in light and, 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 there was, and he was behind, he's in front of a cross, not on the cross, but in front of a cross and it's all brightly illuminated in front of me, about 20 yards, about 20 yards away from me as big as life. And I looked up and I saw the figure and I said, oh my God, it's Jesus Christ. And my hands are shaking and I'm shaking my head on the way home. Did I really see this? Did I really see this? And, and it, it, it scared me so much, I decided to, to try to put it out of my mind. So I spent the next couple of weeks just partying and, and uh, going out to bars and just trying to forget about what, what had happened. And I did this for, for a couple of weeks. Uh, uh, of getting drunk and, and trying to forget. I uh, woke up one morning, I was living at home at the time, and, and I woke up in the morning and, and uh, I was getting my orange juice in, in the kitchen and my mother looks at me and says, Rich, what are you running from? So I came to realize that I wasn't the center of the universe, that, that, that God was, that it wasn't about me, it was about Him. Uh, and it was about me investing my life in, in, in his purposes that he had for me. And that gave me such a feeling of meaning and purpose in my life that it was, it was beyond anything that I, 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 could have, I could have dreamt for. I never thought I'd get the answers. I never thought that, that those were the kinds of things that there were answers to. But now I realize that, that there's a God and that he loves me and that that love sets me free to love and serve others, and love and serve him. Today I am uh, I'm married to my beautiful wife, Michelle, who happens to be Italian. I thought it was more important uh, to, to marry a girl that shared my faith in, in Jesus than it was to marry a Jewish girl. Uh, we have three uh, wonderful boys, uh, uh, Joshua 27, Micah 26, and Zach 23. They all uh, have come in their place in their life where they have uh, asked Jesus to be uh, their Messiah and Lord and uh, they are walking with him and so we're very proud of them. I presently, I'm teaching as, as a uh, professor in a graduate school in New York City and, uh, and really enjoy, delight in being able to share my experience and my journey and my life uh, with these young people uh, in the context of a learning environment. Dr. Flashman now teaches at our Charles L. Feinberg Center for Messianic Jewish Studies, equipping students to share the gospel with the Jewish community. He knows firsthand how important it is to allow people to search the scriptures for themselves. If you are sharing about the Messiah with a Jewish friend, we advise you to be patient and give them time to look through the Tanakh, knowing that there are many verses that speak about our Messiah. The prophecy of Isaiah 53 has pointed many to Yeshua over the years. Our president, Dr. Mitch Glazer, wrote a book about this prophecy called Isaiah 53 Explained. 
This book contains testimonies, a list of messianic prophecies, and an in-depth look at how atonement works. You can order your own copy of this book for free at isaiah53.com forward slash free. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Our Hope Podcast. This episode was made possible by Dr. Mitch Glazer, Abraham Vasquez, Grace Swee, Kyron Bautista, Dr. Barry K. Seif, Israel Cohen, Dr. Rich Flashman, and ifoundshalom.com in partnership with One for Israel. Until next time. Thanks for listening to Our Hope. If you like our show and want to know more, check out ourhopepodcast.com or chosenpeople.com. See you next time.